I remember in the early days, there was some type of graphic or image inside of LinkedIn that showed all of the secondary and tertiary connections that a single individual connection could bring to you. And that's what really drove it home for me. You know, my one or two connections could actually turn into not hundreds of thousands, but millions based upon the various degrees of separation between me and them. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Dan Purdy. And Dan is a Director of Partnerships for Cultivate Advisors. And Cultivate Advisors is one of the fastest growing small to medium-sized business advisories in North America and appearing on the Inc. 5000 list the last four consecutive years. They partner with committed entrepreneurs in propelling their businesses beyond expectations. And Dan is a veteran of numerous Fortune 500 companies, a published author, and a lean Six Sigma black belt. As an entrepreneur himself, Dan started four ventures with two exits, and he speaks with entrepreneurs and business owners daily, qualifying them for a two-hour free advising session with one of their 60-plus experienced business advisors in 160 different industries. So we're going to talk a lot about behind the scenes of referral partnerships, and you even get to hear about the Arctic survival story and all kinds of wonderful, fun things on this podcast interview with Dan. You're in for a treat. But first, it's time for our Marketing Essentials Moments, the basics that you need to continue helping you build your brand and your bottom line And this week's topic, I wanted to discuss how much you should be spending on your marketing budget. I get this question a lot. And so I'm going to try to tackle it, but just know it depends on the industry you're in, the stage of where you're at in your business. If you're a startup, if you're, you know, approaching the teenage years of your business, if you're a longtime company looking to grow or kind of get out of a stagnant, you know, slow and steady pace and you want to scale. So there is a lot of caveats here as to how much you should be spending on your marketing. And it also depends on who you talk to. A lot of research into this. A lot of people say a lot of different things. And so I just want you to be aware that there are some, maybe maybe a little margin of interpretation here, but ideally you can look into and research your industry. The you know US Small Business Administration, the SBA can give you some guidance too, based on your industry. Also, if you are, if you belong to industry uh, trade associations, or if you, you know, subscribe to your industry magazines, or you have a community or forums that you can ask, right? Ask other people. I belong to a peer group of other ad agency owners across the nation. And so, of course, asking these questions are always helpful and vital. And I've, of course, have heard after 20 years of being in business, I've heard all kinds of different ways to calculate what percentage of marketing budget you should allocate to your overall budget. So let's just kind of take into consideration some things when you are creating your marketing budget 
and how much you should put towards it, right? I've heard of a percentage of revenue, a percentage of your adjusted gross income. I've heard now a percentage of your operating expenses, which is new to me because it's always been a percentage of revenue or a percentage of your adjusted gross revenue after all of your expenses and revenue are taken out. And then, you know, some people look at it in a different way. So let's just dig into it and kind of think about when you're developing your budget where you're at in your, your, your process, right? Where is it that you're going to want to spend the money? If you are ramping up, then of course you're going to be spending more. You're investing uh, to you know get that return on your marketing investment or otherwise known as Romy. And um, I've seen anywhere where people will say, okay, this is uh, three to 5% of your annual revenue if you're less than, you know, if you make $250,000 in your business, right? Upwards up to 20% of your revenue if you are in high growth mode and you are doing everything to continue to build that brand in the early brand building years, you could look up to 20% of your sales, top line revenue, that you would put back into your marketing in order to establish yourself in the marketplace, especially if you're a brand new brand. Now, rules of thumb can also mean that if you are kind of in the, the steady growth mode, but not necessarily scaling to the, the nth degree, right? Um, maybe seven to 8% of total revenue could be spent on your marketing, but splitting the budget between brand development costs, including channels to promote your brand, and of course your website and your blog posts that you may do, any sales collateral or one sheets or, you know, sales sheets or slick sheets, whatever you want to call them, the printing, the mailing, all of those types of things. And then of course, any kind of campaigns that you want to put to build your, your business. And if there's specific campaigns to sell specific items or services or products, right? And then you're going to have um, PR costs and advertising costs. Maybe there's events that you're putting on. Maybe it's a grand opening or maybe it's a uh, an anniversary party or, you know, those types of things that are all part of marketing. Maybe it's a networking event that you're hosting. Uh, maybe it's an industry trade show or whatever it is, right? All of these things go into your marketing budget. Now, some people will assume the cost of the salaries of the people who spend time on marketing. And they might take a percentage of the, the owner of the company or the leader of the company who spends time on marketing and helping close deals or, you know, speaking engagements to help build awareness and, and love, you know, establish yourself as a thought expert in the industry. Uh, podcasts, right? Doing podcast times, those types of things. The, the you know, the, the rule assumes that your business will have revenue margins of at least 10 to 12% after all of your expenses that would then also include that marketing budget. So if you look at anywhere between seven to 8% of your top line revenue and you have margins of 10 to 12% of after all the expenses, everything is all said and done, all the margin that you're going to receive, then that can include that mar marketing budget. Now, you might have to adjust some levers and tweak some things just a little bit, push some knobs and, and make those buttons you know, work for you, right? Pull this lever, push that lever. What's going to happen as a result when you spit out those results, right? Think of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in the everlasting Godstopper machine, and there's levers to push and pull and, and, and do to then spit out the end result, which is the everlasting Godstopper. 
I'm talking about the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, by the way. And then, you know, if you push this and do this, it's going to change and tweak it a little bit and it's going to have a different result. So if you think that up to 20% of your top line revenue is what you want to do, you may be taking away some of your margins. Now, if you want more margin, a more profit margin, that is, then maybe you won't spend as much, but those levers sometimes can tweak. If you're not spending money on marketing, you may not even get to where you have margin. So don't cut out your marketing budget. If you're going through a tough time, marketing should be the very last thing that you cut out. But now you do need to get hyper-focused on what works and what does not work and understand what to cut and what to keep when things are maybe a little slim. Readjust the budget to the things that are significantly working for you and cut out the things that are not. Just because you've been doing something all this time doesn't necessarily mean make it the right thing to do, especially when the economies change and your industry changes and maybe new tools and techniques are out there that are going to make some of the tactics that you are doing obsolete, right? So thinking about how you're gonna spend your budget wisely and if you need to increase the budget in certain areas, but then you might have to take away other areas for that reason. So do some research, understand what it takes to, to be able to market your business. I just recently did research for a client to understand uh, they do recruitment, their student recruitment, and how much on average it takes to recruit a student to a new school, a brand new school that's just starting. What does it take to recruit those students to then become students enrolled in their school? First, they have to have interest. First, they have to even understand what it is that they can have interest in, right? So we're educating, we're aware of the fact that there is this new school that exists. And of course, the, the research was kind of a wide spectrum of how much people recommend or what people have done or what they have spent, but it all comes down to the results that they're, that they're getting, right? The more you spend, then maybe the more students you might get but if you're not spending your money in the right way, then maybe you won't get more new students. So just thinking about the different range, I mean, I thought I saw some campaigns where they spent $600 per student to recruit them all the way up to $2,700 per student to recruit new students. So it is quite the range, right? But what is the ROI on that? And what's the lifetime value of that student being at that school? And you know, how long is it that they're gonna be there? What is the tuition cost? If there's a tuition cost, or if it's a student that's at a public entity, how much per student are you able to, you know, have in tax money or in um, money that comes to to the student because they are at that school? Then take how much of that you need to spend on the student, right? To then recruit them to be able to have the school to begin with. So just think about how you can utilize the money that you are going to allocate towards your marketing budget. How much you're going to budget and understand which levers you need to pull and push and tweak in order to get the best everlasting gobstopper. All right, now it's time for our interview. You're in for a treat, stay tuned. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen, and the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition community. And today's guest, we have Dan Purdy with us. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ray. I'm happy to be here. So Dan, let's just uh, 
dive right in and give a little bit of an overview. I know we have the bio, but I wanted you to tell us a little more about you and what you do and the company that you're working for and all the wonderful things. So just uh, maybe share a little bit about you, Dan. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I've got about 18 years of experience in Fortune 500 companies and sprinkled throughout that, I've also been an entrepreneur and a small business owner. So this included everything from uh, food, retail, to management consulting. I've authored a book and then most recently sold a staffing and recruiting franchise in British Columbia. Ooh, let's talk about the book a little bit more. That's exciting. <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell me more about the book, Dan. Sure. So basically, it's a book about strategic planning, but for individuals. And we have five fires that we all struggle to, I guess, battle on our daily lives. And so FIRES is an acronym for financial, internal, relational, external, and spiritual. And these are the things that can either be ablaze or we can have them under control. I love it. I like, I like it when there's acronyms that you can follow. That's awesome. So wait, how can people get to the book, Dan? It's available on Amazon, on Apple, and through different Amazon products like Audible. Awesome. I was just going to ask if it's an Audible. Very good. Very good. <laughs> So Dan, now the role that you have, um, let's share more about the company that you're working with and, and kind of the things that you do and what your company that you're working for now does. Sure. So Cultivate Advisors is a business advisory comprised of 60 W-2 employed advisors, and they consult in 160 different industries. So we're industry agnostic. And these are all folks that have walked the path of entrepreneurs and small business owners before them. Uh, primarily, they've uh, had successful businesses, they've exited, and when they get into a peer-to-peer -peer relationship with a prospect or a client, they're able to bring firsthand personal knowledge of what that owner is going through. That's wonderful. And that, that's a lot of different industries. Maybe name a couple that um, come to mind right off the bat. Sure. So we work with everybody from uh, food retail to healthcare to construction, uh, professional service organizations like legal, accounting, marketing service firms, and the like. We also do a lot in the trades. Okay. And so if somebody were to want to work with you, how does the process go? Well, there's a couple of different avenues. Uh, a company can just become a client right off the bat and we'll immediately assign you to an advisor that is dealing with your specific challenge, whether that be in recruiting or leadership, sales, marketing, uh, possibly your operations and, uh, and management and such. Uh, the other way is to come to me and I can put you into a two hour free advisory session. And that's a great way to just get real focused about how you would work on your business but not necessarily in your business. So it's a bit of a mini strategic planning ses session to uh, dip your toe in the water. I love that. And I get to do that here soon too. <laughs> yes, for pepper shock. Yeah, it'll be good. So when you say that you've got 60 W-2 advisors, you have these people all over the country, right? 
That's right. They're scattered throughout the United States and Canada. And we have a central office in Chicago. But again, we work on all time zones, just looking to help entrepreneurs and small businesses grow and scale their business. And when you match up the advisors, how does that work? How do you know who the right advisor would be based on after, I guess you go through the two hour session, but then how do you know who to match them up with experience wise? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have cohort leaders that have groups of these advisors throughout the country, and they know specifically the superpowers and the skills of each one of their advisors on staff. So if you have a client that comes to this cohort and they're really struggling, let's say with their their sales or their marketing or their leadership or their recruiting, uh, then that cohort leader will know exactly who has walked that path, maybe who has some deep prior experience, or ultimately knows you know, just how to tweak those financials to get the right ratios and, and to better understand their performance. I see. That is fascinating because sometimes you have different issues in different areas that you need different advice from based on, you know, what you're going through in, in, in entrepreneurial space, right? You've, you, you, like you said, you sometimes need marketing help. Sometimes you need financial help or, you know, understanding the numbers and, and all of that. So bringing together a team of people can help, right? Absolutely. And not one person has all the answers. So it's nice to have so many different individuals with different skill sets to just be able to come together and to work on a specific problem together. So let's talk about, since we're going on a marketing journey together, Dan, I, let's talk about how you are able to work with other people to recommend or refer or you know, kind of go through some ways in which you get new clients. And then, of course, the, the people that you work for, they also need to get new customers sometimes too. So this is kind of like a twofold, twofold really process here, but what are some things that you do that works to help you expand your client base? So for me personally, I'm the director of partnerships for the Pacific Northwest. So I have uh, roughly six U.S. states and uh, five Western Canadian or Northern Canadian provinces and territories. So for me, what's really worked well is being active on LinkedIn, on Sales Navigator, and some of the other platforms or apps that lay on top of the, the LinkedIn platform. Uh, in addition to that, it's the networking in the associations and the groups and attending events and, and doing some organic outreach. Personally, I love door-to-door. -door. I really enjoy the, uh, the cold call and getting to know folks within the chamber and just pulling doors, ringing phones. That is amazing because not a lot of people enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a little bit different post-COVID because not many people are receptive, but at the same time, it's really nice to have that human connection again. Yeah. No, it takes a special kind of person to enjoy doing cold calls. I One time we did this exercise, we had a sales you know consultant come in and everybody's in charge of you know, sales, everybody, every day, whether you're a creative person, whether you're the bookkeeper, whether you're, you know, somebody in, you have to think about how you can promote and grow your company forward, even if it's not your everyday job. So we did this exercise where I made all of our, all of our staff, including our designers, including our, you know, <laughs> video producers, they all had to experience what it was like to do a cold call. And I about had a mutiny on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I had one, 
my one of my my art director at the time uh she she literally said i will never do that again if you make me do that again and she'd been with me for you know years and years and years and she's like i will quit <laughs> do that again <laughs> oh that's so funny uh, but but it gives a new appreciation to those who can do that and do love to be able to make new friends right everyone is is a friend you just haven't met yet in in that case and and sometimes it's 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 for people who love it and maybe not so much but it's for those to appreciate those who can do that right <laughs> it's so true you know salespeople and those in business development they know that they have that knack or that skill but it's not inherent and they're not born with that it's something that you can learn and train yourself um, what I typically do if I'm nervous or if I have uh, a little bit of anxiety about approaching a lead or a prospect is I'll just put on my imaginary, imaginary avatar. And that avatar is Mr. Affable, Mr. Life of the Party, who just is going to go in there, shake hands, um, you know, devil may care kind of attitude and and just make new friends, like you said. Well, and I think that that's definitely something that can really help when you are in the right mindset and you're not afraid because I think fear can help, you know, prohibit people from wanting to be able to go make new friends that they've never met yet. And, and to, to be that way. And I think you, you hit it there because sometimes the mindset is, is everything. And if you're not going into it with the right mindset and, you know, kind of being able to portray yourself in the way that you want in that case, then it can really stop you from being able to to make that sell or make that connection or make that relationship. That is such an important thing, uh, especially when I was making my transition from the Fortune 500 corporate world into entrepreneurship and small business ownership. You know, I was accustomed to having everything just given to me. I just had to show up and run out the clock and do the best that I could and, and take that job to the next level before I was either promoted or I handed it off to somebody else. Entrepreneurs and business owners, they don't get that luxury. They have to be resourceful and they have to be scrappy and they absolutely need to do things themselves or to be really good at delegating to others who can get the job done. Yeah, I think that's key too, is putting the right people in the right positions and you know, if you've got the people that are friendly and can, you know, be able to maintain those relationships and be out there networking and meeting new people, that's really good to identify those that can do that versus those that would just rather stay behind the scenes and, you know, make those of us who can go out in, in the world and do that, make us look good. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, when you are working and kind of developing, you know, you, you were able to reach out to me through LinkedIn and, and I love LinkedIn as that tool. It's that professional, you know, online networking tool to be able to, to grow your, your relationships. But when you're, when you're working with companies or other, you know, referral partners, let's kind of talk a little bit more about how you can benefit from having established referral partners and what that does. Maybe give me an example of something that has worked well in that capacity for you, Dan. Well, the first thing that I'll say is that I was an early adopter of LinkedIn way back in like the early 2000s. It, it was one of those moments where you know exactly where you were. Um, I was in Fort Collins, Colorado, 
in a Kohl's department store when a former Hewlett Packard employee uh, of mine, uh, he was a, a coworker of mine, he came up to me and said, hey, Dan, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a while. Let's catch up on LinkedIn. And I said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's this new social media platform. You got to get on it. All the, the cool kids are doing it. And so uh, he sent me a link. And this was way before you know Microsoft took it over and, and took it to that next level and whatnot. And so I got on LinkedIn and I followed the rules as best as I could, only connecting with people that knew me or that I knew. And so it was very courteous and professional. Uh, and then at some point, you just get promiscuous and you just talk to everybody and anybody and connect with anyone who wants to you know, have a, an informal relationship. And that's why you get all these levels. So that's something that really worked for me was, was getting into a platform uh, early enough that you can understand it, you can get to know it, and then start building that base or that database rather of, of, of all of those people that you may not need or know or may not want to know you today, but at some point in the future, they will want to know you. I remember in the early days, there was some type of graphic or image inside of LinkedIn that showed all of the secondary and tertiary connections that a single individual connection could bring to you. And that's what really drove it home for me. You know, my one or two connections could actually turn into not hundreds of thousands, but millions based upon the various degrees of separation between me and them. Right, right. I know that's always the one fun thing is the the degrees of separation. I If you want to be introduced to somebody that somebody else does know as a first connection, that's more than just a cold call because now you're being introduced to them. You're getting recommended or, hey, so-and-so wants to meet you. So I'm putting those connections together. And I think, yeah, it's that's the way that connections are made. <laughs> it's in better connections too, because when somebody refers you or, you know, connects you with somebody else, then automatically that trust transfers more so than if it's just a cold call or, you know, cold reach really, because then now suddenly there's trust automatically assumed most of the time, right? That's exactly right. So every Saturday I teach uh, anywhere from 20 to 25 teenagers about life skills. It's actually based upon the book, Fires. And one of the things that I asked them when we got to the relational fire last week was, how many of you have met a billionaire this week? No hands go up. But I put mine up and they're looking at me like, what is this guy talking about? And because of LinkedIn and because of the law of proximity, being close enough to people that you can ultimately get to know, um, I was talking with a billionaire uh, in the previous weeks. Uh, this was an individual who, uh, without going into too much detail or revealing his identity, uh, was very famous um, for doing a lot in renewable energies, is working on an amazing technology now, and we have an interest in working together. So through a combination of meeting some private equity and some investors and capital partners, and then other folks on the technical side who were connected with him, I was able to get an introduction and have a phone call that lasted 14 minutes and 11 seconds. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and now a message from one of our sponsors, Misfit Market. It can be expensive to eat healthy, right? So Misfit's Market has the solution. They take in the high quality food that grocery stores would rather let go to waste 
and they'll ship it directly to your door. So you can get organic produce and sustainably sourced groceries delivered at up to 40% off of what you would pay at the grocery store. Sure, they might look a little funky, but they all taste the same and they are amazing and it's great produce. I've had it delivered to my door now and it's really awesome. So go to Peppershock.com and our listeners will get $15 off their first order with our promo code. So go to Peppershock.com slash offers and get that promo code and you can join for free and start saving today. And you're right. I think through connections and being introduced to other people. And I mean, I, I love to make connections too. When I know some people that if we're at a function together that I feel like they should know each other, if they know, if they both know me and they don't know each other, I love to make those connections and, and say a little something about each one of them just so that it's like a more meaningful connection. Right. And I mean, you can do digital intros, but I love to do it when we can and face to face. I mean, pandemics kind of changed that from not being able to do as many events, but now it's starting to come back around. And I think it means something more when you can get introduced that way. And I mean, LinkedIn does have the recommendation section where people can, you know, do where they recommend you for the different skills or write up something neat that way. But then referral partnerships too. I think that's one area that you have done and being able to get other people who are prospecting to similar businesses or, you know, people that, that you are, and then not necessarily crossing over and doing what they do, but having, you know, maybe a same similar prospect, you know, that you want to go after and then they know somebody. So then you get asked to then introduce and it kind of works pretty well. So actually, let's talk a little bit more about that referral partnership that you've built and kind of give some maybe some ideas or advice or ways that you've been able to build up those referral partnerships. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, in fact, the the LinkedIn technology and this referral partnership that we're talking about, that's what originally introduced you and me. So I don't know if you realize this or not, but we had been using a uh, a, a bot or an AI called Cleverly that lays on top of LinkedIn. And we had uh, four pre-canned statements that were meant to engage you in conversation. So by way of example, the first e uh, uh, LinkedIn tag that you got from me because we were not connected said something to the effect of, hey, Ray, my name's Dan. Just wanted to let you know that we're probably talking to the same audiences would you be interested in checking out any synergies we might have? And unfortunately, Ray, there was no response. I didn't take it personally. <laughs> and, and, me, and neither did my R2-D2 because <laughs> exactly seven days later, we pinged you again. And that one was, hey, haven't heard from you in a week. Was just wondering if you'd like to explore a collaboration together. We're probably talking to the same people and I really feel like you know, there's something here. We're not selling anything but just want to talk. And that's about the time that you picked up. But I was just going to say that's key is we're not selling you anything because I, you know, immediately get sold to constantly. Like, I mean, so many messages I receive every day of, you know, where somebody's just trying to sell something or do a demo or do this or whatever. And I think that I, that's why I stopped you because it's key to say that we're not trying to sell you anything. And maybe what, you know, and then what kind of caught my attention is like, okay, well, if we are talking to the same people that we want to prospect, 
he might know people. I might know people. This could maybe see where we can take this and explore with this. I mean, and you ended up on the podcast, so obviously we're exploring this in you know a big way. But I think that the key thing there really, just for those of you listening, is that you're not trying to sell something right off the bat, right? You're just wanting to build that relationship and referral network. So car- carry on. Sorry, I, I interrupted because I thought it was such a key component is that you're not trying to sell something right away. <laughs> I, I think you nailed it and you drove the point home. And, and that is, we're just developing a relationship. In the days since that original uh, interaction on LinkedIn, it's, it's only been a, you know, a week or two, maybe a couple of weeks. Um, we've gotten to know each other a little bit. Uh, I still feel very strongly that there's an opportunity for, for you and your listeners to uh, have a lot of benefit from some of the services that Cultivate Advisors provides. But more important, to be able to interact with others and learn about how to just be authentic and be human again. Um, when COVID hit, we just got so scared. Uh, people were you know, covering their faces. They weren't touching anymore. Um, we, we could no longer have eye contact or, or interaction and, and observe the, the things that as marketers we had taken for granted all of those years. And so that in-person contact and, and just interaction has become lost, I think. Uh, not to the point that it's you know, fatal or, or that we're never going to recover, but rather it's just more important to do more after you make that initial electronic or digital connection. Right, right. So now, Dan, what if I didn't respond after the seven day, you know, what, what happens after that? Do you keep trying to follow up with people? What, what's the next uh, message in your sequence? Well, C-3PO would have hit you up two more times and then would have had, you know, dismissed himself and said, yeah. well, I guess you don't want to talk. I don't want to waste your time. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in that particular case, I would have still held on to your ankle and come after you because I know we have so much in common that we needed to talk about. <laughs> yeah, of course. And it happens. I mean, sometimes it does happen, sometimes not, but you, you know, the idea is just being able to use the tools and the technology that, I mean, there's so many things out there now and, and AI has done to be able to, you know, automate the process as much as you can, but then there's still human intelligence, right? Not just artificial intelligence, but not just machine learning, but there's still got to have that human component because that's the relationship. I don't think the computers can make a human relationship happen as much as what humans can. So there's still something to be said about the human component, right? (laughs) Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. And and from my perspective, it's more important these days to get off of LinkedIn as quickly as you can. Even if you have to move it to an email or better yet, a phone call, uh, just keep going to the next step so that you're, you're not stuck in this endless conversation about the weather and things that just don't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and like LinkedIn has those automated responses, happy birthday or happy work anniversary, you know, and people just, yep, thanks, you know, so that's gonna, it's just little small talk, but what, you're right, moving it off and having a Zoom call or having, you know, or whatever streaming video service you use these days, but it's, it is because then you can start to develop that relationship and start to identify and, and you know, find solutions or, you know, understand and hear and listen to people's stories and kind of what their challenges are. And then you start to, to know how you can help them in some way or another, right? Yes, that's, that's right. And then once you get them off of the, 
the automation and the digitalization there, uh, then it's time to have a conversation and to be just really true and honest and, and authentic with what message that you think there might be there. Uh, and for us, you know, that's a, just a discovery call. Hey, what's going on in your world? What's important to you? Um, you know, these are the things that I'd like to talk about and, and just kind of going through uh, your, your purpose or your agenda, uh, what outcome you want and, and what decision you'd like to have at the end of that discovery call. And then you took it a step further and said, oh, I'd like to introduce you to the president of our company and set up a meeting, just a half hour meeting with him. <laughs> you know? So yeah, and it makes your prospect feel special because then, oh, they're going to give the attention from the president of the company. And, you know, same thing for me, like when my staff will talk to prospects and then they want to meet with me, it doesn't necessarily matter that it's me, Rayelle, and it's the president of the company. Because then it's like, okay, they're giving their time, which we all know, you know, people busy, busy entrepreneurs are, are you know, sometimes their time is pretty valuable. <laughs> and so it, it helps to continue on that relationship and, and understand, you know, the process that you're going through. So how many referral partners do you have, Dan? Like how many times have you set up kind of referral, you know, relationship networking sort of partnerships? Yeah, so we have dozens across the company, and the the ones that are most effective to us are the people that are in front of our same audience. Uh, we, we've identified our ideal client persona, and we've talked about the the folks that would be you know obviously really hot for us, the, the people that uh, obviously we, we would want to do business with immediately, and then we've got secondary and, and tertiary uh, personas. But in this particular case, um, we really target marketing companies like yourself. Um, I mean, you're amazing, Ray, because you've got this you know, podcast. You've got a, an amazing media company. You're doing lots of stuff outside of this with your, uh, you know, you're an adjunct professor. And you've got all kinds of consulting and, and international speaking and so on. I mean, honestly, it's just a pleasure and, and a privilege for me to be talking with you today. So I, I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, for marketing companies, you're, you're, you're like, you're queen of it. And then we also have uh, wealth advisors uh, and financial uh, advisors, fiduciaries, people that are talking to other small business owners and entrepreneurs about what it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like those types of referral partners who have the same or similar audience, or at least would know oh, you, you know, you need to talk to these people because they could really use your services because, you know, we know about their situation and, you know, it goes beyond what we're able to do, but we want to partner with you. And then it, it kind of is a reciprocal effect because now you know other people who could be a great client fit for, for us or for, for the, you know, the other financial advisors or, you know, whoever it is, because now you've like that billionaire you met, you know, you know who the, he might need some services from and you can make those connections. And then it just makes it stronger because when you reciprocate it, you know, it kind of can sometimes come back to you in abundance, right? It's a, that kind of that go-giver mentality, the, the book Go-Giver by Bob Berg. And then the Go-Giver Sells More is another book he wrote too. But it's that, that idea that, you know, if you give, then ideally it'll come back to you in abundance without, without expecting enforcing it where it's like, well, I gave you a referral, so you should give me one too. It's not quite like that. It, it shouldn't be anyway. 
you know, it's not like a, what is that quid quo pro? It's more of a, you know, you want to, because you've done that. And now you want to reward those people who have given you referrals and recommendations to, to make that even stronger. That's exactly right. In both sales and marketing, it's better to give than to receive. You know, from my personal perspective, I feel that when you give something away, um, whether it's free or complimentary or however your messaging and communication will phrase that, it's important never to lose the value attached to that so that people don't degrade it. In our case, Cultivate Advisors is all about giving away free resources, whether it's a toolkit or whether it's a podcast of our own or it's some type of helpful resource. We're always giving before we actually you know, ask for a decision. We don't even ask for money. We ask for a decision. And it's based you know, on the, uh, the lead, the prospect, the clients. Uh, it's based on their best interests. Uh, by way of example, sometimes I feel like Santa Claus because I, I, I run around the Pacific Northwest giving out a two-hour free advising session to those who would simply accept it. And who else is going to take two hours of their time just to have a real focused, honest conversation with, with you or me today about, you know, hey, what's really going on in your business? How, how's your entrepreneurial journey going? Um, you know, tell me what bottlenecks or gaps that you have. Where do you feel you want to take this thing? You know, those are some of the open-ended questions that, that we just want to get to know and answer so that we can determine whether or not this owner, this entrepreneur is committed and if they want to take it to the next level. Yeah, I think that is the the way the world goes around. I think that's that's the part that makes it happen and and if you're not if you're not out to just sell somebody right off the bat, I mean, and sometimes you discover, you know, they may or may not be the right fit or, you know, may, may not need your services and that's fine. And if they're not willing to accept your gifts, then it's okay. But then you move on to the ones that are, that are willing to take that time to invest in, in the relationship. And yeah, I think things are meant to be for a reason sometimes, and it happens however you want to believe in that kind of thing. And then it, it comes together. And when you do things like cultivating those relationships and connections and making those partnerships happen, it helps. And not just from the re referral standpoint too, but sometimes you can co-op and collaborate together on projects and, you know, make things stronger because you've got more minds than just one coming together to make it happen. When I teach, I tell my students about the Arctic survival. There's a kind of a game that is played. Have you heard this before, Dan? I, I don't think so. Keep going. So it's it's a scenario and basically it's a it's the list of things that you would need if you were in a plane crash in the arctic and it's 20 degrees below zero and the plane you have a certain amount of time to be able to get the items that you think you need in order to survive because the plane's going to go off the cliff and, and go away. So you have to hurry and grab the things that you need to survive. Right. So there have been like survivalists who have, had agreed on the list of order of priority of things that you would need to grab. Now, when you do this list of items and there's things like a compass and a map and 
alcohol, whiskey, um, you know, maybe the, a lighter that has no fluid. There's just all these different types of things, right? Well, when you give the list to an individual, you tell them, okay, you have five minutes to prioritize these things in the order of which you think are going to be the most important things that you need in order to survive in this 20 degree below zero temperature, right? And, and, and so then you give them time to do that and they prioritize their things individually. And then you group them up and then you have a couple different groups of people. And then now suddenly all of these minds are working together to prioritize the list. See, and ah. now they're talking about it. They're debating. Well, why would we need the compass? We're not going to go anywhere because we'll freeze to death. <laughs> or we're not. Why, why would we need a lighter with no lighter fluid in it? Or why would we, you know, the whiskey, right? We want the whiskey. We're going to stay warm <laughs> with the whiskey. Well, no, alcohol actually makes you colder. So now they're talking about all these ideas and things that individually you maybe had not even thought of, Right. But now you're debating, and of course it's time because you you know the plane's going to go off the cliff. You have to hurry up and grab the things, right? So then you reveal the results, and they're calculated based on the points of what you did in order of what these survivalists, you know, the the experts who say this is the way it should be, and why you would need all of these things in the way that they are. Of course, you don't need the map because you're not going to want to go anywhere because if you leave, you're going to die because you're going to freeze to death or whatever, right? Right. So, right. so, so <laughs> when you do the results, most of the time, unless there's like some survivalist expert, most of the time, the individual scores are scored way lower than in the group score when the, they debate, they talk, they bring together. So, so they have their Arctic survival team. Yes. And they tend to, most of the time, there's been a couple of times I've done this where I've had, you know, a couple of, you know, really good survivalists that would kind of get the list right, you know, <laughs> but most of the time, the group setting they score much higher because they've had that input from other people, uh, other thoughts and other experiences as to why they need all these different items in the order that they would need them. And so it's my point in sharing with my students that if you have your Arctic survival team and you have more brains, you know, more brain power to collaborate and brainstorm and bring projects together and people together, then ideally you're going to be able to survive in 20 below zero degree weather wow. <laughs> than you would individually. So long story short, when you can collaborate and bring people together and have those that brain power, because everyone has different experiences and different areas of expertise, yes, it can be so much better. <laughs> That's great. Well, now I'm questioning my own list. I don't know if I would bring uh, certain items after all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can Google search Arctic Survival Team and they have, you know, a list of, I can't remember, 15, 20 things that they, they list out, you know, and, and uh, like spare clothes and this, that and the other. But sometimes individually people will put, oh, I need a compass so I can navigate where I need to go. Well, you know, then other people are like, no, you're not going to want to leave because then you'll freeze. And, you know, so right. it's just a fun little tool that I use with my students to be able to get them to to realize that they need to work together, better together. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I wonder uh, which of the 15 items includes the Snickers bar. <laughs> I 
yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We need that for some, so we're not hangry. <laughs> that's right. Well, I've heard it satisfies. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Dan, tell everyone how they can reach out to you if they are interested in learning more and potentially even interested in the, in doing the two hour session with your consultants or advisors. Um, how can they get a hold of you, Dan? Yeah, the best way is to go to cultivateadvisors.com. You can also email me direct. I'm Dan P at cultivateadvisors.com. And my phone number is 360-392-5781. Excellent. And if anyone listening, you hear this message and it's something that you want to do to reach out to Dan, let him know that you heard it from Ray Allen on the Marketing Expedition podcast, because I think it is that reciprocating thing that we're talking about here where it's always good to know the source of where your referrals come from and tracking all of that. So we measure what we treasure, right? That's exactly right. (laughs) Awesome. Any other um, parting words, Dan, that you'd like to share with our audience today before we sign off? You know, I just want to speak directly to the entrepreneurs and the small business owners out there. I've had four ventures myself and and two exits, and it's hard. Every day is tough. But I want you to know that you don't have to go that journey alone. Just sign up for a two-free-hour advisory session. I mean, what do you really have to lose? It's peer-to-peer, and we'll take good care of you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining me today and sharing your knowledge and and the ideas that you have and being our Arctic survival team. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do is just to share this with others that you know that may need to hear what Dan had to say today and then to give us reviews on all the different platforms because that's like gold for podcasters for sure. And it helps get our rankings and ratings up there for more people to get to hear the podcast as well. And until next time, everybody enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the marketing expedition podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.